And uh, good morning again to all of you out here joining us uh, for church this morning, uh, in person and virtually as well. It is good to see you all and great to be together. Is everybody ready for Thanksgiving uh, this week? Okay, maybe uh, in spirit, maybe not in actual uh, preparation yet, but that is coming up. So something to be excited about. I'll be talking more about that uh, in the sermon. Uh, lots to be grateful for. One thing I did want to mention that uh, I hadn't mentioned yet, but very, very excited that our very own Paul Blaine will be getting his citizenship December 12th. So there he is. So I know it's been a process, and so very excited about that. That is great news, and yeah, just very excited for you, uh, Paul and, and Shauna. <clears throat> so again, that's coming up December 12th. So yeah, lots to be uh, grateful for <clears throat> and thinking about uh, just my own Thanksgiving preparation. My favorite thing about Thanksgiving is the turkey. Now, I know that some people are like, well, you know, mashed potatoes or stuffing or sweet potatoes or the pie or whatever the case may be, whatever your thing is, that's great. Mine's the turkey. And so I go to great lengths to get the best turkey that I can get. Now, I don't go out and hunt the turkey. I'm not quite there yet. Um, but I have a spot that I go to every year and they get fresh local turkeys and they just happen to be organic too. So I get pretty fired up about that. Well, this year... You know, I call the spot, um, and then what gets communicated back to me was that, well, sir, our supplier, they might only have frozen turkeys this year. And I said, well, go ahead and put me on the list. But in the you know, meantime, I'm like, oh, I don't want a frozen turkey. I want a fresh turkey. But they're like, well, if those come in, I'll give you a call. So we're like, uh, I'm like, okay. So I'm waiting by the phone every day to, for that call. And finally, this week, the call came in. Mr. Irby, the supplier has fresh turkeys. We've now moved your name over to the fresh turkey list. So amen to that. Awesome. So you're like, don't tell me that unless you're going to bring me some fresh turkey at church. So, you know, maybe if there's some left over. But, you know, McCullough will be eating some of that too. So I don't know if there's going to be any left over. Um, but I do hope... Uh, the preparations have been uh, going well. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving, and it happens to be that uh, the chapters that we read as we close out our series on revival fit nicely into that. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Nehemiah chapters 11 to 13 with a specific focus on Nehemiah 12 as we close out our revival series. Uh, we've had a great series over the past couple of months talking about revival. We've looked at Ezra. We looked at Nehemiah. We even dipped into a little bit of Haggai there for a minute. We've had a great time talking about revival and looking at these couple of books. And so as I close out today, uh, we'll be talking about gratitude with a specific look at uh, Nehemiah 12. But as we transition into that closeout, this closeout sermon, um, and it was really great that Scott Muscat was talking about reflection, because I think this is a great opportunity for us to reflect on what we learned. What are our takeaways from this series? And so if you haven't done so yet, I encourage you to reflect on that. 
What were some of the things that we talked about? What were some of the things that you learned? What were some of the things that you want to take away and apply in your life to help facilitate a revival in your own life, but also here in the Hudson Valley Church? Some of the things that I had been thinking about uh, throughout the series, a number of things. One is staying focused, staying focused on God and his will, being determined with that focus persevering through challenging and difficult times. We saw that the Israelites dealt with both internal and external opposition. We have to deal with that in our own lives if we're going to experience a revival, and we've got to deal with that in our church community as well if a revival is to take place. We've got to focus on God's priorities. It's so easy to get our priorities mixed up. I, I run into that on a daily basis. Here's what I want my priorities to be. No, I got to shift back and remember, here's what God's priorities are for me. We've got to be devoted to God and his word. We've talked about that a number of times in the series to include Ryan's point last week. Our habits need to be influenced by the word of God. How can we develop those and integrate those into our lives? Alongside of that, we've got to deal with sin. When sin comes up, we can't just ignore it, push it off to the side. We've got to confront it and deal with that. We saw that throughout the series. We're going to see more of that today. In fact, just to give you a little preview into the sermon, in Nehemiah 13, the very things that the Israelites had just committed to not doing were coming up again even though they had experienced this revival. And Nehemiah goes in and he confronts those things. We've got to confront those things as well and be willing to confront each other when we see those things come up in each other's lives. And that can be a scary thing, but that's what our community is about, helping each other grow and revive together. And then lastly, we talked about and this is an exhaustive list. There are a lot more points than this, but we talked about being generous, especially in using our gifts. How can we identify our gifts and use our gifts in community to glorify God? And I'm going to talk more about that uh, today in this sermon. So we're going to talk about the culmination of these events where we see the climax of this revival, in my mind, in Nehemiah 12. In chapter 11, the new residents of Jerusalem are highlighted, many of which are leaders and representatives of Israel. So that's a chapter where you see a lot of names, you know, worth reading through, but that's what's going on there. And then chapter 12, which will be our focus today, in which we will talk about revived gratitude that can be heard from far away. Revive gratitude that can be heard from far away. And so what I hope we'll see demonstrated in these verses by both Nehemiah and Ezra and others is fulfilling the purpose of being an authentic human. So we see both of uh, these uh, characters in Nehemiah 12 fulfilling both the kingly and priestly role in this dedication of the wall. And that is our call as human beings to be authentically human in being both royal priests, kingly or queenly priests, in which we reflect God to creation and we re reflect creation back to God. 
And we find this purpose fulfilled in Jesus, and we're to follow his example, and we're going to talk about that today as I give these practicals of giving thanks to God. Perfect timing for uh, Thanksgiving, but we see that demonstrated in this celebration uh, that we'll look at today. We've got to lead others in giving thanks as well and using our gifts to do so. And then last point, number three, we've got to watch and pray to not fall into temptation. And again, we see that in Nehemiah 13, which I'll make a brief point on uh, at the end. But all that's to say, here we are in Nehemiah 12. So you can turn with me in your Bibles to verse 27, where we see the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. So prior to this, the Israelites had come back from exile. They had started to set things up in Jerusalem, rebuild the city, uh, rebuild the temple, and then lastly, they had rebuilt the wall. That had come to completion prior to this, but now it was the time for the dedication, which involved celebration and thanksgiving. And so that's what we'll read in these verses beginning in 27. Now, there's a lot of names in here that and I'll do my best to pronounce, uh, but admittedly, I don't have all those down, and some I may skip through. Um, but nevertheless, let's jump into Nehemiah 12. But if I can get an amen when you're there, then I'll, I'll begin. Okay, great. Wonderful. All right. At the de dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived, and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jer Jerusalem, from the, from the villages of the Netophathites, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmaveth. For the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. And so this is Nehemiah talking here. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. Now that was towards the south. Hoshasiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, Meshalem, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, the son of Zakur, the son of Asaph, and his associates, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milalai, Gilalai, my, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of, of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction, so they headed north. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens uh, to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshina gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate, at the 
at the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. So did I, together with half of the officials, as well as the priests, Eliakim, Messiah, Mininim, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with their trumpets, and also Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzi, Jehonanan, Melchizedek, Elam, and Ezer. The choir sang under the direction of Jezariah, and on that day they offered great sacrificing, rejoicing, because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. Amen to all those names that I just got through. And glory be to God. Some of these guys, you know, some of these guys in there here probably like, man, you just butchered my name. What's up with that? Uh, but amen. I did my best. And I, I want to highlight that last part of verse 43 that the sound of their rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. That must have impacted many. And when we think about our rejoicing, our own rejoicing as a community, as individuals, our gratitude has to be heard from far away. Not in a, a fake forced way, but in an authentic and deep way as a gratitude towards God for all that he has done. That was what was being celebrated here. Put yourself there. Imagine the celebration. It was enormous. There were people all over the wall. Choirs, musicians, people, Levites, priests, leaders, followers, all together surrounding this wall, giving thanks to God for what he had done. And he had done so much. The city was rebuilt at this point. The temple was rebuilt. The wall had been rebuilt. And now the time had come, had come to celebrate these victories. In particular, the wall with a dedication to God. And in some senses, it was all being celebrated. But in particular, this last task of completing the wall, which represented God's protection surrounding the city, but also his separation of his people from those around them. And these people were fired up. They came together with the Levites, some being musicians. And their role was to perform services associated with worship for the dedication of the wall. They were instrumental in times like these in worship and celebration fulfilling a variety of roles. Then we had the priests come together one of which was Ezra, and they were to lead the worship. People had gathered from all over, including leaders and people making up choirs. All were there as well to celebrate with a joyful celebration the completion of the temple and the wall. And again, in particular, in this case, the dedication of the wall. This was a celebration of the revival of God's people. And let's reflect for a minute. Think about all they had been through up until this point. Exile. Years, decades, actually, in exile. Being in foreign places, understand, trying to understand you know, different ways of being, why God had cast them out of their promised land. 
reflecting on what they had done, who they were, and what was happening, and when the exile would be over. God had predicted that and mentioned that to them, but I'm sure in many ways they were like, every day probably feeling like, when is this going to end? But then finally they returned, which, you know, in many ways was, was a joyous experience, but was probably very frustrating and confusing. I mean, sin was coming up again as they reconstructed the city and the temple and then the wall, external and internal opposition was happening. How do we deal with that? this? We're trying to become a new people again, essentially. Turmoil, frustration, gaining steam, and then losing steam, and then gazing, gaining steam again, and then losing steam. It must have been this up and down experience. What a journey. But here they were. At the completion of all of that, recognizing that God had brought them through and brought them to this point, a time of victory and celebration. And so one point that I want to draw out from this is a point that probably doesn't jump right out at us right away, but I think reflects the larger story of creation and who we are within that story as well. And so as I pointed out, Ezra, the teacher and priest, he led the group to the south side of the wall. So he led one group south on the wall for the dedication. Nehemiah, remember his role was a little bit different. He was more of a governor, more of a leader type, uh, more of a kingly role. And so he followed the group to the north side of the wall for the dedication. So we see these two roles sort of separated, but completing the whole. And I find it interesting that these two men were instrumental in this revival, but had two different roles. Preacher, teacher, and then kingly, governor. Two roles, again, that make up a whole, and we're here representing the two parts of the wall, completing the whole wall coming together for the completion and dedication of that wall. And you see, these two roles look back to the very beginning of creation. When humans were designed and created by God, these two roles are bound up in one telos or one purpose for humanity. Again, laid out in Genesis 1, where it says that God, that God made humans in his image, in his likeness, to rule and reign on the earth in his way, reflecting his image as God would lead. Essentially reflecting God to creation, but also enabling creation to reflect him back to God. In N.T. Wright's book, After You Believe, he says this about this uh, creation experience. The creator, the creator has a future in mind for creation. In human, this strange creature full of mystery and glory is the mean by which the creator is going to take his project forward. The garden and all the living creatures, plants and animals within it, 
are designed to become what they were meant to be through the work of God's image-bearing creatures in their midst. And this is the point. He says, the point of this project is that the garden be extended, colonizing the rest of creation, and human is the creature put in charge of that plan. Human is thus a kind of midway creature, reflecting God into the world and reflecting the world back to God. So again, this event that we're reading about in Nehemiah 12 reflects back to the very beginning. But it also reflects forward to the person who perfectly lived out those two roles, king and priest, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior providing us a way to live out those roles that were designed for us to live out from the very beginning. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And this is what was happening in Nehemiah 12. He called them out of exile, back into his wonderful light. And so here we see expressed in this dedication of the wall through Ezra and Nehemiah in particular, the sort of fulfillment or living out of those two roles. That we are all called to live out as well. You see, we are a royal priesthood. We are a chosen people, a holy nation. We are called to live those out. And as we do so, we experience revival. We experience revival in the same way as what is being talked about here. So back to Nehemiah 12, the people are being led, so uh, from a kingly standpoint, into worship into thanksgiving, into rejoicing, reflecting the world back to God. And how did they do so? Well, they did so with gratitude for God and gratitude in God as well. Now, this celebration was no mere work holiday party. This was a joyous an incredible celebration. It says there were sacrifices happening. It says that there were great rejoicing. It says that they were all together, women and children as well, all gathered together. And it was so great. It was so powerful. These people were so filled with gratitude that that gratitude and joy could be heard from far away. And you think about the impact that that must have had on the people around them. I mean, themselves, certainly, but the people around them as well. And so one thing I'll highlight in particular in this story is that the character trait that's being lived out by both Ezra, priestly, and Nehemiah, kingly, of Jesus himself as well, that initiates and completes revival is gratitude. It's thanksgiving. 
It's worship and joy expressed in God. And I believe that we as a church are, are at a similar point to where we need to be. I believe that we're being called to give thanks for what God has done here in the Hudson Valley region. I mean, let's reflect a little bit on our own sort of revival experience. COVID hit, scattered us in many ways. We tried to hang on through virtual events. We tried to hold on to each other through our small groups that we call life groups. There was a change in leadership. Katie and I stepped into a different role. Steve and Lee stepped in to fill that role. Uh, there was good teaching that was happening during that time. And we were you know, trying to remain connected in different ways, but probably felt like, what is this thing we call church now? How do we function and operate like this? We probably experienced our, our own sort of internal, what is this? Who am I now in this exile type experience? But then we got back to the park and we did a series called Transformation. That was a great series. We started coming back together, still offering a virtual option, but people started coming out. Then we came back together here at the building and trying to, you know, still kind of refigure out who we are and how do we do church. And I think many of us were thinking about, well, when do I come back? How do I come back? What's it going to be like when I come back? These are all normal questions that I think we've all sort of sifted through and have had to work through and are probably still working through in a lot of ways. Then we had a great series on uh, parenting and spiritual growth in our midweek series. That was really helpful in initiating this revival. And here today, we come to an end of another great series we're calling Revival. And we had a chili cook-off in there too, which I heard was a pretty sweet revival. I didn't get to be there. I'm upset about that, but I heard it was awesome. And so, as I mentioned before, just you know, reflecting on the series itself, I think we also have to reflect on where we've been and where we are now. And what I've experienced is I'm starting to feel alive again. I think what we've experienced here in church is that the church is starting to feel alive again. Right? <laughs> okay. I could be wrong, but I mean, amen. But I think it's starting to feel alive again. So let me ask you, church, have you given thanks to God for this yet? Have you given thanks to where you are in your journey with God and we, where we are as a community? That's going to initiate, continue to initiate the revival and keep it going. Gratitude towards God is powerful. And so with a couple practicals around this, number one, which is just straightforward, it just needs to be who we are. We've got to develop a practice, a practice to form gratitude in us towards God. 
<clears throat> Robert Emmons, a, a pretty well-known psychologist who studies gratitude, said this, gratitude is a virtue as well as an emotion. And when he says virtue, he means a character trait, something that is just part of who we are. But it's, it's both. It's an emotion and it's a virtue. The possession of which enables a person to live life well and therefore must receive a hearing in any comprehensive treatment of the virtues. The Roman philosopher Cicero held that gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all the others. And I do believe that from a Christian standpoint, gratitude leads to a whole lot of other stuff. If nothing else, it's a type of love. When we express gratitude towards God, it's a way of us loving God. And when we express gratitude towards each other, it's a way of loving each other. Um, <clears throat> another quote that resonates really well with me and hopefully will impact you uh, by another philo uh, philosopher, Epictetus. He said, he is a wise man who does not grieve for the things which he has not, but rejoices for those which he has. Think about your way of being in the world. Think about your way of being in our culture. How many times are you in conversation with people or are around situations where people are more so concerned with what's not there, with what's wrong, with complaining, with criticizing, versus what they have? Even more so, what has been given to them by their creator. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. This is one thing that I can struggle with, but I've got to grow that virtue. I've got to work on that. And I think one easy thing to do is to keep a gratitude journal or make sure that gratitude is in your prayers towards God, but extending that gratitude towards those that have given to you. It's not enough to just stay as a sort of mental exercise. We've got to express it towards God and towards one another. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God for our church community. We have an awesome church community here. Give thanks to God for our Ezra's and Nehemiah's. Our Ezra, in my mind, being Steve and our Nehemiah being Ryan. And I think those roles are also interchangeable. Ryan certainly has Ezra gifts as well. Steve, Nehemiah gifts as well. They've been leading and serving for a long time in this region. Let's give them thanks and praise. Give thanks to God for what you have in your life instead of complaining about what's missing. Give thanks to God for your gifts and who God has designed you to be. Now, one group of people that I want to give a shout out to in this thanks um, is our teens. We have teens that are in our, uh, you know, in our body right now, in our, in our church, in our congregation. Um, they've had different classes and, and not been part of uh, you know, what we do in terms of this part of our worship service, but they're here with us. 
I'm grateful for our teens. They bring energy and life to our group. And so we can certainly give it up to them. And I think we need to express that to them and bring them into our church community as much as we can. <clears throat> okay, two other quick points. So last one, or second to last one, live out your priestly and kingly role by using your gifts, just like Nehemiah, Ezra, and Jesus have done. We are all a royal priesthood. And one main way to give thanks for our gifts is to use them, is to use them in our community. And we've been talking about this and, and preaching on this for some time, but I encourage all of us in our life group experience, our next life group experience, let's talk about what gifts we have. Let's talk about how we can use those in service. Let's talk about our questions and concerns around those things as well. I don't know what my gift is. I'm not sure how I can use this. Let's bring those up with each other and figure out how we can live that out in our community. And then lastly, we've got to watch and pray. Watch and pray. Revivals are great, but one thing that will destroy a, vi a revival very quickly is sin and temptation. It is crouching at your door. It is crouching at our door. It desires to have us, but we must master it. And I'm not going to read chapter 13. I do encourage you to read it if you haven't done so. But the very things the Israelites had promised not to do, specifically working on the Sabbath and intermarrying, they were falling into that in chapter 13. Right after they had vowed to God in their covenant with God not to do so. And so on multiple occasions, it says, Nehemiah confronted those things. Nehemiah so with the intermarrying issue, pulls out some hair, some of their hair. He gives them a bit of a beat down. Now, I'm not saying we should do that by any means, but he confronts it and he's serious about it. So we've got to be on the lookout for those things in our own lives and in the lives of one another as well. That's one of the beauties of church community is having people in our lives that will do that. Confront those things. So we can live out the revival in our own lives, but in uh, our lives as a community as well. So in conclusion, let's celebrate. Let's give thanks to God for all that he has done in our church, in our lives. Let's be the royal priests that we have been called to be and enabled to be through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, by using our gifts, leading others in gratitude. Let's watch, let's pray so that we don't fall into temptation, so that together we can sing, Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Amen.